Our scripture this morning comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. But I'm going to begin to read in verse 2 just to set some context for verses 4 through 6. Verse 2 says, Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. This is God's word. Good morning, everybody. There I am. Good morning, everybody. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I come before you right now. I just want to, first and foremost, thank you so much just for your love and kindness towards us, God. Thank you so much for who you are, and God, that you've given us so much when we don't deserve anything. Uh, you're just so good and loving and kind towards us. And God, I pray this morning as I have this extreme privilege of opening up your word that you would just uh, speak through me. God, that it wouldn't be about me, that you'd remove me from the equation, and that, uh, God, that you would just, yeah, speak through me and just uh, let your, your words be understood, and, um, yeah, that you would just change lives this morning. So love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm, I'm extremely excited this morning. I'm really excited this morning because... Because like I said in my prayer, I have this incredible opportunity to open up God's word with all of you. Um, but for those of you that don't know me, my name's Stephen Atherton. I'm the youth director here at WCC. Um, I have an incredible wife, Jen. I've got two kids, Malachi and Amara. Uh, they're going to be three, two and three, so life's a little crazy on our end, but it's awesome. Um, my family and I have been attending WCC for about seven years now. I've been working uh, in youth ministry for about five. I, I do high school, middle school, FCA. Uh, I started a skate ministry, and I've been doing all of this full-time for about two years now. Um, but like Dan said a little bit ago, the reason I get to stand up here before you today is because for the last two years, on top of everything else, I've been going through the Pastors Institute program. And uh, for some reason now, Dan trusts me to, to come stand up here and, and preach to you guys. But it's okay. It'll be great, right? Um, but yeah, so I, I get this, this awesome privilege of, of teaching God's word today. And I'm just, I'm praying that God's going to do some incredible work this morning. I'm, I'm praying that God is just going to just transform our, our hearts and just open our eyes to, to how incredibly awesome he is. So I, uh, I just came back from a backpacking trip. In this backpacking trip, I was with nine students and two guides. So I'm going to say that again. I was with nine students and two guides for an entire week 
out on trail. And it, it was probably the most intense thing I've ever done. It was the craziest trip I've ever been on because we get in, they strap us up in these, with these gigantic bags on. We're going six days with these giant bags. We went up 4,000 feet in elevation, 15 miles. We were going up one gigantic mountain range to the next. Um, we, got to, we got to swim in a glacier pond which for anyone that's interested, I wouldn't highly recommend swimming in glacier ponds unless you're like really into the whole, like I can't breathe, I feel like I'm gonna die feeling when you jump in the water. It was the coldest thing I've ever felt, but it was so awesome. It's just this beautiful, clear, crystal clear water and you just saw God's creation. You saw creation cry out the name of God just by all the awesome things that we were seeing. We saw some of the coolest rivers, fields, um, waterfalls, all this, all this awesome stuff that just cried out the glory of God. But what was so interesting about this trip, though, was the way that God just reached down and spiritually wrecked and rebuilt each and every one of us in different ways. That was what was so profound for me about this trip. I came back this, wa- this last week. It was so profound. I came back this last week, and I completely rewrote this sermon Because God just, it struck me, it struck a chord with me that in the midst of it all, I realized the passage that we're going to be studying this morning, at first it influenced me, it influenced me definitely, but it hadn't truly mastered me yet like it does now. And the reason, the reason for this reckoning in my spirit when I was out on this trip is because subconsciously I was putting all of my strength in my own confidence putting all my confidence in myself and my strength. And that's how I was walking into that trip. That's how I walked into that trip, was putting all the confidence in my own strength. Anytime anyone would talk about like the potential difficulty of the trip or the dangers, honestly, I would just kind of shrug it off a little bit. It's not a big deal. So really, it's it's fine. I got it. I got it covered. Um, And in my head, I I would kind of just pull out my own special little pen and paper. And over here on the side, I'd write down my list of things that I know I can do and I can get done so that this trip is just going to be so easy, right? It's going to be so easy. So going into this lesson today, we're going to have three different lists that we're going to be talking about. There's three different types of lists we're going to be talking about. The first list is the extracurricular list we set up in our mind of things we put above God or try to get to God with by putting our confidence in him. This list of things that we have built up that we think we can do, that we can accomplish to get to God. The extra secondary list that we've built on this side. Number two is the list of things that make us who we are. The things we've done, the places we've gone, we're all special, we're all unique, we've all done different things. And none of those are bad, right? We all have different things that make us who we are. The only time it, it makes it bad is when those things that we think are special about us get added to that extra list. When we're putting those things above God. When we're taking those things and we're putting our, our identity into them. That is when those things become bad. Number three is the true list that we need to cling to at all times. The list that it truly identifies us. It's the list of the gospel. 
the list of the gospel and the love of the Lord that no one can take from us. That's the true list that we need to be clinging to all day, every day. But these are the three lists that we're going to be talking about this morning. These are the three lists. And that being said, on this trip, on this backpacking trip that we went on, I kept building up that extra list. The extra list we just talked about, that's what I was building up. That's what I was putting my confidence into. I kept telling myself, I was like, okay, number one, number one, I do CrossFit, right? So since I do CrossFit, I obviously, I got it. Physically, it's fine. It's no big deal. I, I, I got it covered. So that was that check, that check mark, putting confidence in, into the fact that I know I can do it. Number two, I was in the military. Since I was in the military, freeze-dried food, purifying your own water, having to substitute toilet paper with branches and leaves and it, it, whatever. It's fine. I got this. I'm used to it. I was in the military, so check. There you go. That's another little addition to my list over here, putting confidence into that. Number three, this is a good one, is I am a professional Christian, right? I am paid to be a Christian. So that being said, I obviously have it together well enough that I can go and guide all these people because I'm paid, right? Whew. Paid Christians should always be ready to go and, and have that little box checked off. And last but not least, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking in a roundabout way, like, okay, God, I want you to pay attention to the fact that I'm out in the middle of nowhere with, with nine students for an entire week. Like, I feel like I, I should get some sort of brownie points for that. Like, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine, God. But, but come on, just check it out. Look, look at what I am, I'm doing for you. I love you so much that I'm willing to do this. In all honesty, I mean, the group I was with, it was, they were the best. I, I could have never asked for a more incredible group of people to be with, to grow with. But, but either way, like walking into this trip, that, you know, that, could, that was one of the thoughts going into it a little bit. Now, if anyone were to ever question me on these things, anyone, they walk up to me and ask me any of these things. Are you put, Stephen, are you putting your confidence into this, 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 or this? Come on, I'm not going to answer What's actually going on in my head? I'm going to answer like a true Christian would. I would say, absolutely not. I can never, ever put my confidence in myself. My strength is in the Lord, and that's it. My strength is in the Lord, and that's it. There's, there's nothing else I can do. And in my head, I know these truths, but does that mean that that's actually the truth of, of what's going on in my head? Sadly, deep in my subconscious, I'm still building and maintaining this extracurricular list of things that I'm putting my confidence into. I'm trying to build and I'm trying to maintain this thing over here. What's interesting is this idea of confidence in what we do and who we are for the sake of self-gratification and God's approval. This is exactly what the world tells us to do and wants us to believe. Hands down, this is exactly what the world wants us to believe. This is exactly the lie Satan wants us all to fall for to lose sight of the true free gift of salvation, to lose sight of the grace that saved us, the grace that keeps us, and the grace that truly identifies us. That our identity actually is not in God, but it's in our prestige, right? It's in our boasting, it's in ourselves, in the confidence that we have built up in everything that we are because of, because of us, because of the things we've done. Satan wants us all to do exactly what I did at the beginning of this trip. He wants us to add to the secondary resume. Lying that we're, we're already good to go. 
We need to keep accomplishing to be worthy. When in actuality, this is just a false identity within itself. It's false security. It's a forged document. Because the credit is going to the one who just has a list of stuff focused on self and approval. And honestly, it's, it's idolatry at its best. You probably wouldn't even notice it there. Probably wouldn't even notice it was idolatry. You're putting so much stock and pride into your accomplishments, you're actually worshiping this extra list that you've built. You're not worshiping the original author of your life. The original author of your life who's given you the opportunity to be in a relationship with him, not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. So wow, what a better way to stop progress and pressing on than to lose focus on the Lord and, and start focusing so much on ourselves and what we think we have to do to be in God's good graces. So as we're going to be going through this this morning, I, w- I want to ask a question I want you all to be thinking about throughout this sermon, and that's, what about you? As you sit here this morning, what is on this extracurricular list in your mind? What does your self-made resume look like and why? I, I can tell you this morning, every single person on planet Earth has a list. Every single person has a list. You just have to be aware of whose signature is at the bottom of it. So as you sit here this morning, I want you to think about what's church to you? What is church? Is it just another addition to your extra list over here that you're like, okay, God, check. I'm sitting in church this morning. Good to go. Hopefully you saw that. I can tell you right now, this, this list we've created our list, our secondary list that we have running, we need to. Now, in fact, I'm going to scratch that. We have to, have to burn the list. This extracurricular secondary list that we have built up in our minds of things that put us above God or that we're putting our identity to above God, we have to burn it, burn it to the ground. We have to burn it to the ground, this list of things that we think we have to do to be loved by our creator. The things that, do, that become our identity, that take our focus off of him and put it directly back onto us because that is exactly what that list does. With that being said, let's, let's dive into our passage this morning and see what God's word has to say about it. Um, but just as a re, uh, quick recap, so... This, this incredible book that we've been studying so far, Paul's talking to a church that he loves. He's talking to the Philippians, this Philippian church. He loves this church. People are coming to Christ. This is a letter of encouragement to the saints set apart by God. He's affirming them, saying that God who began a good work in you without their help, right? God began a good work without their help, will complete a good work, and that they're, they're partakers of God's grace. So this book is, is just awesome. It's it's so encouraging and uplifting, and it's pushing the Philippians to move forward. And what it's saying is it's not, this book is not an invitation to hit the spiritual brakes, though. It encourages them to press on, to move forward. Our, our sermon series is called Encourage to Press On because he's encouraging them to continue to move forward. Don't stop where you're at. 
Because you're comfy cozy, that doesn't mean that you should sit still. He's saying, go, keep going, push as hard as you can, keep going for the sake of the gospel. But last week there was a shift. There was a shift in this, this incredible book of progress, love, joy, and unity to passages of, of warning, these passages of concern and, and things that will hinder the unity, the, the things that are going to hinder this progress in the church. Which brings us to our passage this week. And honestly, in my mind, I, I feel like this passage is one of the biggest passages in this book. And the reason I think that is because it's one of the few passages in Philippians that we see Paul, he's warning the people, he's rebuking them, and he's humbly reminding the church about a couple different things that we're going to get to dive into today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead, open up your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Uh, and we're going to start in verse 2, coming into today, just as a reminder of last week. Should be on the screen behind me as well. Oh, sorry, Ephesians, not Philippians. Wait, nope, it is Philippians. What? Sorry. I don't know, sorry. All right. Philippians 3.2 says this. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Let's stop there. So as we're getting ready to look at our passage, I, I want to point out a couple things as a reminder from last week that Paul's doing in these previous verses. And one of them is he's saying to them, look out. Look out. This is active. This is being on constant guard spiritually for those who are all about works. Don't be passive, church. Like he's, he's forcing this. He's saying you have to be aware of what's going on in the world around you. Don't be passive. Look out. Look out for those who think you can accomplish to be on God's good side. Those who think of themselves higher because of the things that they've accomplished or the things that they're putting their confidence into. Who they are, where they're from, what they've done to, to get to God. At this time in history, Philippi, it, from what we can see in scripture and historically, Philippi was a really nice city where a lot of good things were happening, right? We can see in the, in the book, like, there's progress. The church is thriving. People are coming to know the Lord. So there's a lot of good stuff happening here. And, you know, every time I would read this passage, I, I consistently kept going back to the fact that that is Windsor, Colorado right now. It's this church that you know, it's thriving. The town's doing good. There's really not much going on. Honestly, you could probably go home, unlock your door, leave it like that for two weeks, and you're good. It's Windsor. You're fine, right? But that is what Paul is exactly saying to the Philippian church right here. Everything was going well. Everything's fine. And he's saying, look out. Be aware. Don't get passive. When you get comfy, be aware. You have to continually be on guard. Paul's, he's bringing into play here that that's not going to last forever. This comfy, cozy state of everything being just great, it's not going to last forever. People will infiltrate your world. People are going to walk through that door. They're going to infiltrate your world. These people that, that put all their confidence into the flesh, these people called Judaizers, they're going to come in, and it's all about confidence in themselves. It's all about confidence in themselves. And not just that, they're going to push it on you. This isn't something they're going to come in with their thoughts and they're going to say, okay, I'm just going to sit here and, and listen quietly. It's not why Paul's warning them. He's not saying they're going to come in and just sit down and listen quietly. They're going to push these ideals on you. 
They're going to push these things on you that are totally against the gospel and what the gospel says. Look out. Look out, church. Don't be passive. The enemy is going to do everything in his power to try and make you believe that it's all about you and what you're doing. That's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to have confidence in yourself and to take your eyes off the cross and the only true confidence we have, which is in Jesus and his finished work on that cross. Once again, what a better way for Satan to halt progress in the church than by saying who you are and what you accomplish, having confidence in those things is actually what it's all about. What a better way to stop progress. And by the way, God won't love you as much unless, unless you have a sturdy extra list to stand on, right? That's what these people are going to come in and tell you. God's not going to love you as much. You better have accomplishments going. You better have that list stacked up pretty high. God's not going to bless you as much as that guy over there because he's from this family. He, he went to this school. He did this. He did that. Look how confident he is in himself. Look at that. Oh, in fact, FYI, you might just lose your salvation over it. If, if you don't continue to work and work and work and work, you, you might just lose your salvation. This is the ideal that people are trying to push and that Paul is warning us about. Let's look at 3.3. Paul goes on to say, For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no Emphasize on the no confidence in the flesh. None. He said, we're, we're not like these people who make their lives all about works and put not one bit of confidence in our own flesh. Not one. In our own works and what we've done. We're, we're not like that. We have to be aware of it. We're not like that. But now comes the really interesting part this morning within our passage. 3, 4. So Paul then says, right after this warning to the Philippians, talking about people who will try to convince them contrary of the gospel and a beautiful look at not putting confidence in our own flesh, he continues on and says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. But he doesn't even stop there. He keeps going. He says, he continues and says, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I have more. Now, at first glance, this, this might seem like a, a pretty major brag coming from Paul, right? You might be asking yourself, why in the world would he transition pretty drastically from, we have no confidence, none at all, to, I have more reason for confidence. In fact, I have more reason than anyone. But that's why we can't take scripture out of context here. You have to understand what came before so you know that Paul in no way is bragging. He's not trying to brag about his past accomplishments. He's pointing back to the Judaizers we talked about previously, talking to the people that put all their stock and identity in the flesh and what they've done. The people that put all their stock in their ancillary resume for the, for the sake of good works and their accomplishments. It's all about them. And also, we have to remember as we move on, the people Paul is talking about and talking to 
and how when he throws down this massive extracurricular list here in a second, this would be incredibly impressive to the people. This would be so incredibly impressive to them. This list we're about to dive into, it shows Paul's perfect credentials in the world before the coming of Christ. And this would have been so awesome for them to see this this massive list of extra things on the side that Paul had done to get to God. So here it is. Here's the secondary list for the centuries. Nothing tops it. Secondary list of the centuries laid out by Paul. Number one, he was circumcised on the eighth day. So this right here, this, this was in line with the Old Testament law. In Leviticus 12, 3, it says, and on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin will be circumcised. So this was perfectly lined up with the Old Testament law. And you know what? This might not seem like that big of a deal to us today. We're sitting there like, okay, like this is supposed to be this, this really awesome resume and he's, he's throwing that he's circumcised on there. Why is, that, why is that a big deal at all? But to these people, it was massive. This was a big, big deal. This was vitally important because it was a sign of truly being born into and raised up a Jew. He was born into it, right? So it's almost like royalty. Just because Meghan and Prince Harry got married doesn't mean she was born royal. It doesn't mean she was born royal. She married into royalty, right? That's exactly what he's talking about here. It was just like men who became Jewish and were circumcised They were Jewish, absolutely, but it was like being adopted into it. They weren't born into it. It wasn't wasn't as prestigious as being born into it. So this was actually a really, really big deal to Paul and the people. So he was putting confidence in his religious origins. He was putting confidence in his religious origins. So like some of you, I've grown up in a Christian home my whole life. I have incredible parents, love the Lord. They want to see the gospel go out throughout the world, and they're just awesome. They just love the Lord, and I was raised in that. So awesome. You know what? This, this right here was my version of what Paul was listing off. This is my version of that. Because I grew up Christian. I was born into a Christian household. I'm A-OK with God. I am good to go. He obviously loves me more, right? Because I, I was born into it. I was born into this, this incredible Christian home. So, man, thank you, God. I, I see you. I see you looking at me. I, I get it, you know, shining, shining your light down on me because I'm something special because I grew up in that. I put my confidence in my family being Christians, not only because they were Christians, but because on my mom's side of the family, every single person is saved. Every single person on my mom's side is saved. And that is unheard of. Nowadays, that's unheard of. That an entire family, would, every single one would be saved. It's crazy. But I was putting my confidence into that. I have to be good with God if my entire family's good to, with God, right? It's like you're just like inherited into this Christian lifestyle. We're like, ooh, I'm just here. I know about Jesus. I read my Bible. Good to go. But at points in my life, that was something I would think about. This idea isn't as crazy as it sounds, though. So many of us do this on a daily basis just with different things. It's just like, I go to church, so I must be good with God because I came into church. I give to the church. I tithe. I do everything I possibly can, so I must be in God's good graces. 
There's a million other things it could possibly be, but every single one of them are trying to earn your way, trying to, to get to God in different aspects. Missing out on the fact that it's never by us or through us, it's only by Jesus in the cross. That's it, hands down. Number two on this, this massive resume that Paul's throwing down, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So again, this was so highly important to Jewish people, not only that he was an ethnic Israelite, but also that he knew which tribe he came from. This was really, really important. Before Moses died, he, he blessed the 12 tribes. And this is what he said about the tribe of Benjamin that Paul's referencing that he's from. It says in Deuteronomy 33, 12, the beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. That's a, that's a pretty awesome blessing, right? It's pretty cool. Just reading this, we can see how this could be seen as such a, a prestigious thing. It's, it's an honor that this was the blessing placed on this tribe, this tribe of Benjamin. Coming from the tribe that God surrounds, that God protects. So Paul, Paul's putting his confidence into where he's from. He's putting confidence into where he's from. So far, though, his list isn't accomplishments. It's, it's heritage. It is where it's from. It's, it's what his parents did when he was born. This is what's on his list so far, the first two things. So did he choose what tribe he was from? He didn't choose what tribe he was from. So why do you think this is a part of his list of, of credentials? Why is he placing his confidence in these things over here on this side list, this extracurricular list? So I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about the fact, like, I'm a quarter check. Any other check people in here? Anybody? There's, this is the second service, not one single, oh, there, okay, there's one. Cool, outstanding, woo, check. Okay, so as a kid, I really latched onto this idea of being check. I really latched onto this idea. I mean, it, it was so cool. I even had this shirt. It said, kiss me, I'm check. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever because it wasn't like, kiss me, I'm Irish. You see those all over the place. No idea where we found this shirt. It's, it's random, but, but it's a kiss me, I'm check. And I felt so unique and so special that I had this shirt because I knew where I was from. I was putting my confidence and my stock into the fact that I was check. Now, just like Paul, did I do anything to accomplish being check? No, it had nothing to do with me whatsoever. But for me, it was, a, it was a status symbol almost. It was a little bit of a status symbol. I know where I'm from. That's pretty awesome. I, I know where I'm from. I know my lineage. Well, everyone else out there, all you mutts, you have no idea where you're from. And that's, that's what makes me so special. Because I'm unique. I'm different. And obviously, God loves me more because I'm Czech, Right? So it's not just accomplishments that can make your extracurricular list over here on the side or that made Paul's list. It can be anything. It can be where you're from. It can be status, wealth, prestige. It doesn't matter what it is. Anything can make the list. Like me as a kid being, with being Czech, where you come from can actually be a major thing that, you, that people put confidence into. We see people all over the country celebrating different holidays from different countries because their family's actually from that country. And, and because of that, they're gonna celebrate and they put their identity and their stock into being a part of that culture, being a part of that group, that tribe, whatever it is. 
And in some ways, people like Paul think it can put you in better standing with God. So he continues. Here's number three on this list. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Hebrew of the Hebrews. So people speculate that he's referencing the fact that not only is he from a Jewish heritage, but also that he spoke Aramaic. So something interesting about Paul is that he grew up in a place called Tarsus. Tarsus was Greek-speaking. So what this is referencing here is the fact that Paul was incredibly smart. He was educated. The fact that he not only knew the Jewish language, that he knew Aramaic, but that he grew up in a Greek-speaking place and knew Greek, this was impressive to people. Wow, you're a smart guy, Paul. You, you went from this place and, and you learned Aramaic and you were trained up and raised up. And wow, look at you. Look at what you've done. Man, put you in real high standings with God because you learned that language. You know, you know the Jewish language. Good for you, man. Put you high up there on the list. But people all the time put their identity in intelligence, what they know. Guarantee there's someone in this room right now is thinking, yeah, yeah, I've done that. I've put my identity in my intelligence, how smart I am, the things I know, especially biblically. We can do that all the time. If you really get into the Bible and you're studying and you're going to town, you're like, I understand this and I studied this and I went, God, look at what I did. Look how hard I studied for you. Look how much I know about you. Look how much I know about you, God. Wow. I'm just, I'm really awesome. Thank you for, for yeah, uh, I'm just, I'm really cool. Really cool, God. I know so much about you. But within this, this was actually a part of Paul being a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was putting his stock, his identity into to his education, to what he knew, what he knew about God specifically that he thought would get him to God. He was thinking, I'm a real Jew who, who knows the Jewish language, also another language, What's better, God? What's better? But this, this is a trap that any and all of us could fall into so easily, so easily. Number four says, as to the law, he was a Pharisee. So if you go back to Acts 26.5, it points out that the Pharisees were without a doubt the strictest, most intense of all the religious sects, of, of all of them. The Pharisees were the hardest to get into. They were the highest up and they were the most intense out of all of them. So Paul was climbing the ladder. He was climbing the ladder to get to God. Everything he's listed off is climbing up the ladder. And this also brings to play that Paul not only was intelligent, not only was, had all the right credentials to be a Jew, but he also made it to the absolute top of the ladder for his job. He was the best of the best. His extracurricular list was full to the brim of being the best of the best. That's, that's what he was focused on. And that's how he was getting himself to God, having confidence in all he is and all he had done. He put all of his confidence into it, all of it. another question I have is how often in our lives are we actually working to get to God? How often are we actually working to get to God? To be better for the sake of, of being in God's good graces 
And honestly, I feel like it's way more often than not if we're, if we're truthful with ourselves. Move on to number five on this list. It says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church. So Paul had so much confidence. He had so much confidence and was so passionate about his work that he was convinced, he was absolutely convinced that persecuting the church, getting rid of this, this lawbreaker Jesus' followers, it was the most righteous, zealous thing he could ever do. He is so zealous and so righteous about his works and what he has done. He is willing to kill for it. He is willing to kill for the sake of the works that he thinks are going to get him to God and get him salvation. Even in Acts 7:54 through 8:2, we see a young Saul who would then be soon be Paul at, at a young age standing there while all these people gathered around Stephen, one of Jesus' followers, and they stoned him to death, and Saul stood there and held their coats. He stood there and held his coats. Even at a young age, he was okay with this idea of being so zealous. You can kill that guy because he doesn't believe what we believe, and guess what? You're also going to, that's going to help you get to God better too, just getting rid of these people. So we're seeing this man that this, this wasn't at an older age that he accomplished all these things. This started young. This started from the time he was circumcised on that eighth day. He had been building up his list his entire life. And I was like, you don't have to be killing people to be this zealous about something though. You might be thinking, well, pfft, I'm not going around killing people for things I believe. So this doesn't really, you know, correlate with my life. And in actuality, it, it can be anything. It's not just being so zealous about something you're willing to, to kill somebody. It's, it literally could be anything that you place your everything into that becomes your identity over God. Anything. Anything that, that makes you think you can get to him if you push hard enough. If you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and gathering and earning, then maybe someday you'll get to God. But if you're, you gotta be zealous about it though. You got to strive. You have to push as hard as you can, and maybe you'll get there. Number six. This brings us to the last credential he brings to play, and it's probably the most vital of what he's trying to say. He says, as to righteousness under the law, he was blameless. Blameless. Paul thought that because he had all his confidence in and under the law that he was pleasing God. He thought that it was his accomplishments that made him blameless, perfect, that nothing, nothing he did wasn't perfect for God. Even killing and destroying the church and, and trying his hardest to kill the gospel, he truly thought he was earning his way to the top. He truly, truly thought he was earning his way to the top, not only of his peers, but, but of God's elite, of the best of the best. He truly thought if he earned, he was gonna get there. In his flesh, he, he had written out this extracurricular list, making him and his confidence in his accomplishments the way to the top. But it was never enough. It was never, ever enough. There was, there was no end in sight of all the things he had to continue to do and accomplish to be worthy of God. You notice that in this list, he has hit the very top 
spectrum of every single aspect of it, and it still wasn't enough. He still was, was going and going and going and killing and trying everything in his power to continue to earn. It's never, ever enough. The section of this letter is, is Paul reflecting on how lost he truly was within himself. Paul's not writing to the Philippians to brag. Paul's not trying to show off or, or make them feel worse about it. In fact, the way Paul writes this, this, this is a somber warning to these people. This is a somber warning. He's saying, look at how I was before Jesus. Look at how I was before Jesus. Look at how I was when I put the confidence in myself and not in my Savior. There was no end in sight. He's warning them that no matter your credentials, no matter your credentials, no matter what you do in this life, you cannot and will not earn your way to God. You, you can't do it. Jesus, our, our precious and loving Jesus, sent by God to this earth, lived the perfect life, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and triumphantly rose from the grave, defeating death, hell, and Hades. Now, do you think, truly, Jesus accomplished all of this? He accomplished all this so you would have to add to what he did to be saved. Your creator died a brutal, horrific death so you would never, ever, ever have to add to this extra list ever again. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. So absolutely no one can boast. No matter how religious, no matter how pious, you cannot and will not earn your way to God. Jesus Christ is literally the one and only bridge that connects us back to the loving, open arms of our Father. He's the only bridge back to it. So if that's the case, then why do we daily consistently try to add more to the secondary list? Why do we keep doing it? Why do we keep trying so hard to add to these lists that we have on the side, knowing what Jesus did? Honestly, I, I see it every single day not only in my own life, but all around me. I don't have time to, to go through all of it right now, but I asked all my students that went with me on the trip and a bunch of other students, like the different things that they put their identity in, the different things that they put above God, and every single one of them wasn't unique. Every single one of them I've, I've seen before that we see in our lives. It's, it's not a crazy thought to think that people are putting stock into things they think are gonna get them to God or putting their identity above God in something else. There's Christians all over the place patting themselves on the back for how great they are and how much they have accomplished. Every single day we see this in the Christian community. It's not just the secular world, people. It's all around us every single day. And within that, there's not even one hint of the fact that if it wasn't for God, their author, not one single thing they've accomplished is possible. Not one. They're putting confidence into everything but Jesus. 
So I'm telling you this morning, burn this extra list. Burn this extra list of things you think you have done or you have to do to be better presentable to God. Burn the list. This extra resume that that puts you on the top shelf and not God. The list that you think about more than you think about the cross and what was accomplished for you. things you accomplish and who you are aren't because you're this superstar who's done so much. I'm sorry to say it's because God is such a superstar that he allowed you to accomplish so much. It's only by him and through him anything is possible at all. So where do we get off giving ourselves credit on our special little lists that we have created over here on the corner? Again, this is how Satan and the world wants you to think, though. This is exactly how he wants you to think. Accomplishing aimlessly, feeling like like you're good to go because you have a side list started of all your accomplishments, of who you are because of things, because of stuff. Making yourself believe, if you like it or not, that what Jesus did isn't good enough and you need to do more. I'm going to say that again. Making yourself believe, if you like it or not, what Jesus did isn't good enough, and you need to do more. Now, within this, I really want to clarify that where you're from, like we talked about at the beginning, where you're from, the things you've been a part of, the things you've done, they do make you who you are, Right? Like I said, we're all special. We're all unique. God made us all different. It's wonderful. It's, it's, it's incredible how God made us all so different and unique. But it's acknowledging that any of those things can go on your secondary list if you put them above God or try to get to God with that thing. It happens all the time. So yes, we are unique. We are special. But don't let those things end up on your secondary list. It's acknowledging that's not by you, that you are who you are. It's all by God and for his glory, you are who you are, made perfectly. So so in the midst of this, this is in no way an invitation to slam on the spiritual brakes. To slam on the brakes at all and go, yeah, you know what? I don't need to work hard. I don't need to press on. And that within it, that's garbage. That is garbage. The Bible nowhere talks about pressing on the brakes, stopping, working, anything like that. In Colossians 3.23, it says, whatever you do, do all things heartily as to the Lord and not for men. So nowhere does the Bible promote laziness and, and not working hard. In fact, it's the biggest proponent for it. We see all throughout scripture passages referencing to the fact that if you love Jesus, if you desire, or that if you love Jesus, you desire to work hard because you love him. It's because you love him, not because you have to earn your way to him. So again, the Bible is not saying don't work. It's saying understand why you are doing what you are doing. The whole premise of this book of Philippians is pressing on. And Paul's not removing that from this section of scripture at all. 
Even when the world around you tells you you have to accomplish, you have to, or put your confidence in this, or, or tries to weigh you down, or take you down a path of destruction, I'm telling you, press on, move on, move forward. Don't let the world trick you. Don't, don't fall for the trap that Paul is warning us about here. Don't fall for that trap. Burn the extra list and trust the author of your life. Trust, trust the true list, the one that defines our entire lives, this true list that our author has created. And this is what the true list looks like. This is, in my mind, what this true list looks like, that we should have in our back pocket, in our hearts, at all times. Number one, God created everything. Number two, or second, God the Father sent Jesus the Son so the Son could send the Spirit they're all equally God with differing roles. Number three, Jesus loved us enough to come live the perfect life, died, and rose again. Fourth, Jesus died for our sins. And if we believe in him, repent on those sins that hold us down, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he gives us the free gift of salvation, adoption into his family and justification of our sins. Nothing in this says you have to work for it. Nothing it is a free gift that has been given to us and you can't earn your way to it. Number five, it's by him and through him, you are who you are and have anything you have, and accomplish anything you do. And because of him, like I just said, you, you no longer need to accomplish to be set free if you believe in what he did. So I want to go back to my backpacking story real quick. So on this trip, I wasn't thinking through this incredible, true gospel list that my author has given me. Honestly, in my life, it had gotten to the point where I realized that ministry had actually made it onto my secondary list over here. Of all the things, ministry added to my little list. Thinking to myself, man, God must love me more because I work for him every single day. Because I, I put my blood, sweat, and tears into his work, into the, doing the things for him. I was putting my identity into ministry saying, this is who I am versus I'm doing this because I love the I am. That is the difference. So on this trip, what was it, what wrecked me, what changed me was seeing how unable I am to do anything on my own strength, in my own confidence, Physically, mentally, spiritually, this trip legitimately brought me down to my lowest place. Where I saw that all the times in my life the gospel wasn't centered, where Jesus wasn't first, and I was doing it in my own strength, I fell apart. I broke. I failed. Man, this trip was so incredible because I saw God work so mightily. And this wasn't just in my life. I saw God change and transform every single one of the students that was on that trip. It was, it was incredible. And I feel like none of us could have ever imagined or expected how much God was gonna rock our worlds on that trip. But what he did in that trip, 
The reason I rewrote this is because he realigned us to the author of our lives. He realigned us to himself. God who so desperately wants us to stop fighting to accomplish. He so desperately desires for us to stop trying to work for your way into heaven, into salvation. Just just lean on him. Trust in the finished work on the cross, not in ourselves or in our own secondary list. Burning this, this extracurricular list means truly in its simplest form, acknowledging you have a side list to begin with, acknowledging the fact that it's there, and truly, truly giving it to the Lord. Handing those things to him. Give it directly to him. All those things that you have placed your confidence into, that you've placed your identity into outside of God, your creator, give it to him. Nail it to the cross, burn the list, however, whatever way you want to say it, those things that you were trying so hard to earn to get to him, stop and just give it to him. Give him that list and trust the true list that we just talked about. Trust that list, the gospel list that saves lives, that you don't have to do it to be saved. And again, you're not a robot. Not a single person in this room is a robot where God is forcing you to love him, that God is forcing you to to transform and mold into this thing that you have to look exactly like everyone else. He loves your uniqueness, who you are. But you have to trust him with all those things. You have to trust him with who you are. The problem with this is is that we're all still messed up sinners in a fallen world. So this kind of thing isn't one and done. It's not burn the list, give it to you, God. Cool, I'm done. That was a great day. I'm just going to move forward. No more list. When tomorrow we're going to pull out our imaginary pen and paper and start a whole nother list. We have to daily give to the Lord. And when we pull out that pen and paper again, we have to burn it all over again. You have, it's a consistent process of understanding what's there, understanding that you need to stop ignoring the fact that you are doing this, that people are doing this, and burn it all over again. Till that fateful day that we no longer trust in ourselves, but finally and truly trust our Savior. God gave up everything for you so you don't have to accomplish things to be in his good graces to have confidence in those things that you, you think you have to because I hate to tell you, you can't. You, you just can't. Jesus completely flipped the system on its head and even when we didn't deserve it, he gave us a relationship with God forever. An opportunity to be in this incredible relationship with our creator forever. So back to my original question that we were talking about at the beginning of this. Where is your identity? Where does your confidence lie right, near, right here, right now this morning? We just talked about even just identifying that you have a list. So now identify that it's there and what is on it? What is on your secondary resume that you've been building up in your mind? What defines you? What gets you up in the morning? What does your extra list say? If you understand the cross, if you understand what God did and Jesus accomplished, that's the only way you'll ever actually truly get it. The only way you'll actually truly get it and understand why you don't have to earn to be in his good graces is understanding that the cross was sufficient enough for you.
Stop trying to add to your own unnecessary list. Truly burn it and give it to the author. Stop being so self-focused that you can do anything at all to get into God's good graces. Stop doing good for the purpose of self-gratification and building up what you think is your kingdom closer and closer to God. Because then we can ask the question, what kingdom are you actually building up every single day? What kingdom are you trying to, what kingdom are you putting bricks into? Is it your own personal kingdom here on this earth? Or is it your creator's? Is it your author's kingdom that you're trying to build up every day? What are you trying to accomplish with your jobs, with your days, with your family? Are you placing confidence into those things? Do you do everything you do for the glory of God, doing your best because you understand that through him is the only way you have anything? Because you love him so much. And because of that, you want to share the good news of Jesus and the freedom outside of the flesh to the world. Is that what you're trying to do? Is that what you're living for? Or is it all about you and more you? So I can tell you, if you're a believer, you can't press on. You can't press on at all if you're putting your identity and your confidence into the things that you're doing to get to God. Or even trying to get higher up in the minds of people by building yourself, putting yourself into an identity that is above God. We can't keep running the race, pressing forward, unless we understand that we have to burn this extra list and trust the author. We can't fall into the trap and fall into the lie of identity in ourselves. You just can't do it. Burn that list that you think puts you in God's good graces and trust the author that made you you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I come before you right now and just, again, thank you so much for this time. Thank you so much for how good and loving you are towards us, God. You didn't have to do anything for us, but, but you sent Jesus to die, to rise again for our sake so that we wouldn't have to earn any more to be in your good favor. God, it's only by Jesus and through the cross that we have anything, and so thank you for that. God, I pray every single person in this room would understand this concept so that they would desire to be in a closer, tight-knit relationship with you, that you are just, you are moving and working, God, and that we would always remember that true list, that we would pull out that gospel list every single day, that we'd meditate on it, that we'd focus on it, and that we'd want to share that good news to the world. Love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I realize we've had like a, a, a packed service this, this morning.